Hello, welcome to the Relevant Faith Podcast. My name is Frank Mistretta, and on this podcast, Pastor Troy Wallace and I have Bible-focused, Jesus-centered discussions about what it looks like to live as a Christian in today's culture. If you have any feedback, want to ask a question, have a topic you would like us to talk about, or just want to be on the show, you can email us at relevantfaithpodcast at gmail.com. You can also check out Crosspoint Adventist Church on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Adventist and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash crosspointadven. That's A-D-V-E-N. Be sure to watch the Crosspoint Worship Service live stream at our website at crosspointadventist.com Saturdays at 11.30 a.m. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Relevant Faith Podcast. I'm so excited to share this episode with you all today because we have a very special guest, Pastor Benjamin Lundquist, here to talk to us about growing through COVID. This conversation is a high-value, content-rich conversation that's sure to help many of you out there go to the next level, especially through this pandemic. Ben is a passionate fellow pastor, young adult director, and podcaster who loves to share on personal growth, leadership, and faith. Check out his podcast, Rise and Lead, for some of his game-changing content. We want to thank you for choosing to listen to this podcast. It means so much to to Frank and and me that you engage with us through these dialogues. Uh, We'd love to hear your feedback. So please, if you get a moment, leave us a review or send us an email at relevantfaithpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to just dialogue and, and hear how this podcast is impacting your life. Um, And please don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and share it with your friends. Thank you for joining us. Without further ado, here is Benjamin Lundquist. Um, So Ben, we're going to start out with that question that's going to be aimed at your life. And uh, I want to know, and I'm sure that people can learn from this, what's the journey been like from day one of COVID-19 up to now? What's kind of changed uh, in your rhythms and, and in your just daily life? So for so for us, um, I was already really accustomed to doing uh, Zoom meetings and a lot of things online, um, and I think that that started probably in my ministry and life slowly over the last ten years. So transitioning to ministry and life online. That was fairly normal because I've, I've been doing that for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that didn't shake us up too much. I think the biggest change was all of a sudden um, our kids were not in school, but they were in homeschool. Yeah. And to be honest, that that has been a it's been a real challenge, and not not in a bad way, but it has challenged the rhythms and life of our family because mm-hmm. all of a sudden my wife and I, uh, Kim have had to really step into that role of being a teacher when we're just not used to doing that. You know, we're more of the homework mentor, Mm -hmm. uh, but now you are the primary teacher while you're trying to get a million other things done. And so you're trying to figure out, and if I'm honest, like I have forgotten how to do fourth grade math. It is so, it is so challenging. And I had to Google like, how do you add fractions together? And so it's been it's been interesting. So I think that element for us has been one of the most challenging of now we're all at, at home together as a family, 
while I, like a lot of people, still have responsibilities with phone calls and texts and emails and Zoom meetings, mm -hmm. but we're making it work. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm doing a lot of trampoline time with my kids every day. And so we, <laughs> you know, we got a new puppy at the house. Um, so we're, there's some great blessings, but I think that's been one of the biggest challenges yeah. is the whole family rhythm has been thrown off because our kids are not in school and they're at home and we're having to build a new rhythm that now works yeah. for us. Yeah, and, and like you start to, I mean, in, in our habits, we have expectations about, you know, the demands for other people, what they demand of us and things like that. And that's kind of all just thrown up in the air right now. And your kids don't know what to expect from you because you're trying to do work at home and all these different things. And it's just confusing for everybody. <laughs> Yeah, and I think I think that's that's a principle that I've learned in the last, and I, I think somebody had put up online that we've been um, in uh, social isolation for fifty two days or fifty six wow. days. I don't know if that's how, how if that's wow. dead on, but something along those lines. Wow. But I think one thing I've learned is you go through this mourning process of what's happening because of Corona COVID nineteen. It's not what it was. And so you go through this mourning process of, oh, I long for what was. Yeah. And Kim and I have talked about, it may be important to go through that process, but there comes a point where you have to let that go. Yeah. Like it's not productive to continue going back and mourning mm -hmm. what was. Yeah. It's really saying, how do we now create what's gonna be best now? Mm -hmm. Because what's now isn't what was. So how do we retool and revision what's going to work best for our family and ministry and life mm -hmm. now, taking the best of what we can apply from what was, but I think you stay in the past too long and you miss out on all the opportunities that you have in front of you. Um, I had a friend, uh, his name is Randy Ban. He works for a small shoe company called Nike <laughs> and Randy uh, and I were on a Zoom call and he was messaging me on the Zoom call and he said, hey, I've got to jump off because we're doing our first family reunion Zoom call with 50 people. Wow. So incredible opportunity that never would have happened six months or a year ago. So, yeah. you know, mourn it, learn from it, and then look at those great opportunities that we have in front of us to do, to do like things like we're doing right now, yeah. connecting people together. Yeah, I had a Zoom funeral that wow. I went to for my grandfather. Mm. And that was such, it was, it was both tragic but also encouraging because a lot of people who never would have come to his actual funeral were there, mm. right? Friends that he had known from his time in the war in the 40s, you know, they were there on the Zoom. And for me as a young pastor, seeing uh, older, more seasoned people using that technology to connect, it's like, wow, like this is really changing things for the better. I mean, it was sad that it was a funeral, but at the same time, like, man, like we can utilize these tools yeah. to connect in such a, 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 a different way, I should say, than we used to be able to. Um, so that's one way that your life is changing. Um, and, and I know that that's like on a family level. What about like on a personal, spiritual level? What, what kind of things is God revealing spiritually to you during this time? Yeah, you know, I think in my um, relationship with God, if, if, I'm, if I'm really honest about like my spiritual habits and rhythm, it really has taken the approach of as you go, mm -hmm. 
more than every day I'm going to have this time and every evening I'm going to have this time. And the reality for me is, and maybe, maybe your members and, and cross point family can relate. Every day is so different and the demands of every day is so unique and the phone calls and texts and things that are happening. And I think with that, you can often feel this guilt of, I'm not being consistent enough or I'm not plugging in enough. And I think what I've learned is mm. sometimes the best way to go with Jesus is as you go. Mm. And an example of that may be if I'm out uh, running an errand, you know, going to Trader Joe's with my mask <laughs> to get some food and I find out about a family that, you know, needs some prayer, I may just pull the car over and have prayer, you know, some time to pray over that family right there. So mm -hmm. just knowing that there, it's so much more challenging to have those rhythms yeah. of connecting with Jesus that often just giving yourself permission to say in this season, as you go, mm -hmm. may be the best way to go forward yeah. and to listen yeah. to the Holy Spirit with those moments where you can connect and really just being being present over an entire day versus just present in a moment in the morning or present in the evening. And so I think that's been that's been something for me that has been kind of an eye opener. And I also have learned, uh, Pastor Troy, about just giving myself grace. Uh, God has given us grace, and sometimes the hardest person for us to give grace to is ourselves. Yeah. And I think you can. You know, you can beat yourself up over yeah. you didn't put in this much time. You're not reading this many chapters. And I think you've got to take a step back and say, we have never lived or led in this season before. And we got to give ourselves some grace yeah. that you do the best you can. Yeah. And whenever you get in the mindset of I have to with Jesus, I think we've missed the gift of being with Jesus. It's not that I have to. It's that I get to. And maybe getting to be with Jesus during COVID-19, oh, it looks radically different, yeah. but it's beautiful. And I, so for me, I'm just learning yeah. often to do the Jesus connection as you go, because yeah. every day is so up and down and so many yeah. things are happening. Yeah. You know, and that makes me think about in my own journey, the, the need to control how I connect with God and how I spend my time it creates in me this like this pressure yeah. to continue to meet my own expectation that I had for myself. And when I fail to do that, I almost feel guilty and ashamed and like, oh, like I've fallen short or something like that. And just like what you're saying, I've had this revelation kind of recently, like that is not how love works. Mm -hmm. You know, God loves us even when we mess up our routine, even when we're not in perfect control. You know, even when we were controlled by the flesh, you know, Christ Jesus died for us and he loved us, right? He doesn't change based on how we react, we change. And so we ought to have, like you said, way more grace for ourselves. And, you know, if we find ourselves falling and stumbling and wandering, then that's just the moment to say, okay, Jesus, you didn't change toward me. I'm just going to come back. I'm mm -hmm. going to come back because you're, you, you walk with me with open arms. And I, I've been having to practice that a lot myself. And I, and I think for me, Troy, that's, it's been a great season of reflection when it comes to connecting with Jesus yeah. to ask the question, and this is a hard lump in your throat question, but to ask the question, 
is the way that I'm attempting to connect with Jesus, is that really working? Mm. Or am I just living out a routine that's familiar to me, yeah. but now that I have no routine, because my routine is no routine, because everything's all over. So it's, it's, a, it's a good chance to step back and say like, is that really working? And, you know, I think it's, it's been a good time for me to just reflect on there may be so many more ways that we can connect with Jesus than what was boxed into my routine. Because often routine, it draws us into what's familiar. That's why we call it a routine. But being able to say like, maybe this is a time for me to experiment a little bit. Maybe I can prayer walk. Maybe I can journal. Maybe I can sing. For me, singing is terrifying. You know, you can't have every gift. That is not my gift. Sure. If I sang at Cross Point, the service would be done. <laughs> People would leave. But yeah, so it's been. A, I think it's been a good time to just assess and look at. You know, what are some ways that I can connect as you go yeah. um, during this season? Yeah. Yeah, like embrace the chance to reform your life yeah. instead of fight it. Because the fighting is so much energy you're spending to, to deny what's actually here. You know, but you know, there's no better time to make the changes than the changes are thrust upon you. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah, when you do, you're right. When you don't have, when there's no other option but to yeah. change, you have to change. Yeah. And it doesn't mean you have to have the change figured out. But at least you're in the mindset of, I'm going to wrestle in this space yeah. until I figure out something that works for me during the rhythms of, of Corona and also beyond, you know, yeah. being able to continue wrestling, reflecting, trying things yeah. um, so we can have, a, I think, a, a journey of growth that's going yeah. to keep going. Yeah. Okay, so we've kind of talked about on a personal and family level what it looks like to be in this season of change. And you and I both work for the church, yep. you know, and, and we have become accustomed to a certain brand or model of church. And all of a sudden, that, that style of church, is, we can't do it now, you know. And, and I, I, for me, it's caused a lot of questions. Um, were we not doing it well to begin with? I, I don't mean that in a negative sense, like it was all bad or anything like that. But could we have been doing this better, mm. engaging people better, you know, um, doing life with community better, like all these kind of questions. And so I'm wondering, you know, you work more in an administrative kind of top down looking at vision and how you can mobilize young adults in particular. But as you look at the church itself as an entity in, in North America and the Pacific Northwest, um, what do you think we need to be doing in the season of change that we might want to take with us? In the future it's a great question um, and, and I'll just start off by sharing my my definition of the church um, you know wrestle over it for what it is but uh, the church to me is the living breathing expression of Jesus to our world yeah. um, it's not a building it's not an organization but it's the living breathing expression of Jesus to our world and I think when you look at what, what we have been experiencing over the last 50 days, it has been evidence that the church has not been living in all spaces. And what I mean by that is there are communities 
that we can only reach online. That's the only way we're going to reach some communities. Yet, 90% of what we did uh, before COVID-19 was in person. So I think, you know, it has really opened up my eyes that we want the church, the living, breathing expression of Jesus to live in all spaces. Mm. And so I think for so many churches, this is the first time that they, we, have been challenged into spaces we've never been before. And I, I, I'll share a story with you. During the first weekend that we went into lockdown, and I believe it was around March 14, 15, somewhere in there. I think that was the first Sabbath uh, Sunday weekend. I saw a pastor do um, his first Zoom connection of his life, and he filmed his Zoom broadcast from his clothes closet. So he was in a suit in his clothes closet and I could see clothes hanging in the background and there was no there was no criticism for me. It was really observing and saying, "Way to go." Like way to tr way to go in trying something that you've never tried before. And I'm sure that was so un he looked uncomfortable <laughs> and he probably was. So I I think what we've been experiencing is challenging us to go into spaces yeah. that we've never been in. And I, there was a young adult that I was on a Zoom call with, uh, with the North Pacific Union a few weeks ago. And this particular young adult, I think his name was Ronnie, he made the comment on the Zoom call. He said, I hope that when we're all done with this pandemic and we get back to some semblance of normal, that we don't stop meeting online. Mm -hmm. And his his reasoning was that for many young leaders online is the first time they have ever had a voice mm -hmm. because on a zoom call, there's no hierarchy of voices where you have a pastor and then you have a church member, but on a zoom call, there's an equality of voices yeah. where everybody can share. And this gentleman said, when I have gone to a church in person, I'm, I'm honestly too intimidated to speak up because the pastor knows more, or this okay. elder has more experience, sure. but on an online platform, I've got a voice. Yeah. And so I, I think some really good things have come out of that. You know, I would hope that as we think about, you know, being the church, yeah. that we don't, um, that we don't let go of the opportunity to be the church online because yeah. the potential is bigger than we'll ever know. Yeah. So I hope we always continue that even after, you know, we things may settle down. And I also hope that we assess honestly the way that we do in-person events because I think we can do in-person events better. Mm -hmm. And I have ran events where a young adult has left the event and felt disconnected. Mm -hmm. And you think about it, you know, we can't even connect in person very often, but if we're gonna have a gathering that's in person, yeah. we've gotta maximize everything about that opportunity to really connect a community together. And my goal would be, if you come to an in-person gathering, church on a Sabbath morning, everybody leaves with a real sense of authentic community. Yeah. Somebody has talked to you, they know your name, they love you, and I think the cross point is ahead of the game at that already because you all are very intentional with community but those are just two things that i've thought about let's not stop exploring the online platforms because i think we've only touched the tip of the iceberg yeah. and then let's look at 
if we do in-person gatherings, we need to do them better so we can get people really connecting and talking yeah. in a way that's authentic. Yeah. And one thing I'm noticing too, uh, especially from learning from Caleb, Caleb's a member of our church, yeah. but Caleb created a community online first that when he actually interacted with those same people that he had connected with online, there was a foundation for the relationship. Yeah. And some, some of what makes it hard for a new person to step into a church is there's no foundation for relationship. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, it's hard to connect when you don't have any context for the connection. Yep. You know, and so I, I'm seeing like this online thing in a new way. Like for me, it's a new front door. You know, it's a new bridge. It's a new uh, avenue by which like we can connect person from wherever they may be coming from. It could be at way outside Hillsborough or Portland. Um, and we can create the bridge. That way, if we ever met them in real life, we would at least have, oh yeah, we had a conversation on Facebook or <laughs> on Instagram. Or yeah, you like tuned into Instagram Live Sabbath morning young adult sermon and yep. you commented and I remember what you asked, you know, that kind of uh, connection because ultimately it's about relationship. And I think that's a bit, that's a, that's a real key um, principle is that connections online, that is real life. It just may look a little bit different, yep. but I think sometimes we discount, oh, it's, it's, you know, online has little value because it's not face to face. Yeah. Sometimes you can get, to depth of conversation online that would be really challenging face to face yeah. unless you have that history for each other. So I, I think ideally you need both. Um, you know, you need enough authentic, effective online spaces as well as in person. Yeah. So I hope that, yeah, moving forward, we can assess and keep experimenting in both of those places. Yeah, I can see. I think one of the things that, that strikes me though as a challenge is maintaining channels of communication right because there's so many avenues now and um, so Ben like you've been doing this for a little while now one of the questions I have is for the church for us um, how do we how do we balance that out in an ineffective way so as to not be consumed by the, the, the responsibility of doing ministry online that, that's a great question um, when it comes to when it comes to online uh, ministry and and you know connecting people online I, and I'm not an expert but I would just say that you don't have to do it all so I think don't feel the, the pressure to be active on every single mm -hmm. platform whether it's TikTok or <laughs> Twitter or turn the clock or whatever whatever it is but you know you think you can be overwhelmed where you think we've got to be on Facebook and we've got to be on TikTok. We've got to be on Twitter and Instagram and LinkedIn and all this stuff. Here's what I would say. I would rather pick a few platforms and do them great than do 10 platforms good. And so I think the idea is to, to really survey the demographic that you're trying to reach mm -hmm. and be able to say, what are the few platforms that we can engage with in a way that's excellent and consistent. And I think that's the key, is you want your content and your engagement to be uh, God-honoring, hopeful, excellent, and consistent. Mm -hmm. And I think um, just those principles yeah. will take your church online to a completely different level 
Um, I went to a church one time, you know, and, and even websites are not being used. That, that They're used a little bit. But I went to a church uh, to do a film project in Colorado. And I went online and I thought, wow, they've got a young adult page, you know, on their website. And, and so I popped on there just checking some things out. And I was doing the filming, I think, in 2017 or 2018. I popped on the website. It hadn't been updated since 2011. <laughs> so, and I, and I, so I thought, wow, great effort in 2011. But what about right now? All that to say is, you know, when you have a space, you have to steward the space. And um, Heather Thompson Day, um, who is a PhD professor for communications at Colorado Christian uh, University, she was on my podcast one time, but she made the comment that, you know, uh, social media is inherently social. And so if you don't maintain and steward those relationships and the platforms, they're going to become ineffective. So I think for any church, just deciding what are the few platforms that are going to offer the most value to our church members and those that we're trying to reach, choose those and then possibly build a team that can oversee each one of those platforms and then just be consistent with quality. And over time, engagement's gonna be good and, and you just keep assessing, well, are people connecting? How are they connecting? But I think that's a couple of things I would share is often the media platforms they launch as a great idea where somebody at a church board meeting says, let's launch an Instagram account. <laughs> and so it gets launched, yeah. but then nobody ever maintains it. Yeah. And it's all about those social connections. You know, social media is inherently social. <laughs> so you've got to figure out a way to just do the few that you can do yeah. to meet your audience and do them well and just be consistent uh, and try to do them with excellence. Yeah, that's good. I have a lot of other questions that I'll ask you later about this topic because I think about this from a leadership perspective and how do you have a consistent voice in different directions with different teams. But anyway, we're going to probe into that later. Um, I want to ask another question, just kind of moving towards the other side of COVID-19, um, individually and personally and everything. Um, one of the things that I have experienced and I know a lot of people have been going through this is like feeling like their purpose isn't as clear as it was prior to this and so for those people that are in the midst of uh, they're looking at their life right now and feel lost and don't know how to look at the other side of this because they don't find a clear connection to their purpose right now can you speak to that kind of dilemma that we're that some people are in yeah I, I'm I'm chuckling because that is such a huge conversation <laughs> but i'm gonna give it my best shot um, I, I think we could we could do probably a five ten part conversation <laughs> series <laughs> on the idea of purpose but i'll i'll just say this i think for a lot of people um covid19 corona has um really brought an awareness that their purpose was in the wrong place. Mm -hmm. And I think for people that aren't, they're not killing it in their career, they're not in their, you know, they're not in their job every day, there's this sense of a loss of purpose. And I think for many people, mm -hmm. 
it's this awareness that your purpose was never in your job in the first place. <laughs> it may be part of your purpose, but our purpose or calling, which is the reason why we exist, um, it's our contribution to the world, it can never be contained in a career. It's bigger. So really, you know, when you think about your calling, your purpose, it's what you do with your life. And that should never stop because of Corona. You're going to have to adjust what that looks like. Yeah. But I think, um, you know, I always think about, you know, our life is really made up of three big components. The first one is our identity. That's who we are. And for many people, this again is another opportunity to ask that question. Who am I really? And, you know, for me, I've had to, at different points in my life, really drill down on Benjamin at the foundation level. You are a son of God, beloved, yeah. called to a higher purpose. Um, and you are 100% forgiven and gifted. God has put greatness already inside of you. But I, so I think that's a component is that identity. And then what we do, you know, is our, is our purpose. It's our contribution. And then we have a life assignment. And the life assignment is how do we live out our purpose or calling in this season? So for many people, the frustration is they're trying to live out their purpose calling pre-corona, yeah. but they're not, but we're not in that season anymore. So all of a sudden they feel like, man, my hands are tied. I can't live out my purpose. And the question is, or the question to, to wrestle over is your purpose really doesn't change for your entire life. It may adapt a little bit, sure. but the question is, how do I now in a new season live out my purpose and calling yeah. that I was living out in the different season? Yeah. And I think often we have this um, idea uh, that, that we're living out, we're supposed to live out our calling and purpose the same way for our entire life. And that's just not true. Mm. You know, we have assignments. And so for anybody, mm. I would just challenge you, wrestle and pray over, God, what is my assignment right now during Corona? And it's not the time to say, um, oh, I got a purpose now. No, your purpose that you had a year ago, it still exists today, but it's going to look different because we're in a different season and you have a, have a different assignment. So I think, I think that's, that's a good you know, wrestling while we have some time. And just to answer your question um, and unpack this a little bit more, I would say five steps that I would give anybody who's wanting to kind of clarify yeah. the purpose. And maybe you have some time because you're working from home and you can just dive into this. First thing I would do, step number one, I would thank God for your purpose. Mm. Even if you don't know what that is, Thank him for your purpose, because I think when you do that, you are recognizing you do have a purpose mm -hmm. and you do have a calling on your life instead of, you know, kicking the can down the street thinking, oh, like everybody's got a purpose, but not, no, no, you have a purpose. <laughs> yeah. So I think just being able to say right off the bat, God, thank you for my purpose. Mm -hmm. I may not know what that is, but thank you for my purpose. Step number one. Step number two is own the gifts that God has given you. Mm. I know for me for a long time, uh, Pastor Troy, I 
would not want to just voice the things that I was good at because I, I don't know, I felt like I was going to come across arrogant or mm. the Christian has to be humble. Listen, if God gave you a gift, own your gift. <laughs> yeah. It's not a time to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. oh, I'm not gifted. I'm not good at anything. Listen, are you going to tell the creator of the universe who has gifted you that you are not gifted? No, you are gifted. He gave you gifts. So step number one, thank him for your purpose. Step number two, just ask that question, what am I gifted at? Step number three, ask the question, um, who do I want to give my gift to the most? That becomes your target. So who is the who is the recipient of your gift that gets your heart going? You know, I think about like I you know I love the leadership stuff. I think about like speaking into an insecure fifteen year old or a twenty year old, and having them come to life about now I understand how much worth and value God has given me. Now I understand that I'm actually a leader. But who is it? that you want to give your gift to the most, okay? That would be question number three, or step number three. Step number four is, how are you going to do it? Mm -hmm. What is the avenue that you are going to give your gift away mm -hmm. to that group? Is it going to be online? Is it going to be one-on-one? -on -one? Is it going to be programs, platforms, whatever it is? And then I would say step number five is execute on your gift every single day day. Mm. That's where the rubber meets the road. I mean, you can go through all four steps, you know, thanking God for your purpose and uh, outlining the gifts that you have and then who's going to be the recipient, how are you going to give that gift away, but if you don't execute on your gift, you're not living out your purpose. Right. So I think it's being able to say every day, I have to execute on my gift. And that may look a little bit different, but for me, those are five steps that have challenged me mm. to live a little bit more in my in my purpose. Intentional. And that reminds me so much of uh, Paul's letter to Timothy. Yeah. Because I, I, I don't know what version this is of the, of the text, but Paul says in one version, fan the flame of your gift. And, and he reminds him of the things that were prophesied about him when people lay their hands on him. But one version says, immerse yourself yep. in your giftedness. And he says, don't neglect it. And, and anyway, and, and to me, like reading the text like that, um, it's like there's no shame in your gift. Yep. Like there is only fulfillment and there's only blessing for other people when you do it. And I think one of the issues that I've dealt with as a younger, more insecure person was thinking I needed somebody else's gift to yep. be valuable. You know, but when you can just own it and live it and lean into it and, and, and you can move from who you are into how you're actually engaging with other people in that gift. Then and I think that's a great point that I, I would share this just to give people the freedom to live out their gift. Yeah. You don't need somebody else's permission or acknowledgement of your gift mm -hmm. to live out your gift. Yeah. And there are so many people I think that are like you're sitting on this divine gift mm -hmm. and you're waiting for somebody to come along and say, you know, please use the gift that you have and recognize, listen, if you know a gift that God has given you, mm -hmm. use your gift. 
you don't have to wait for permission or for somebody to recognize that gift for you to use the gift. Yeah. You steward the gift, and we have to own that. And yeah, I think just, I would just encourage anybody, you know, everybody wrestles with the idea of what's my purpose and calling it. And as much as we may have clarity on that on Monday, we can be fuzzy on Wednesday. <laughs> so oh, yeah. so it's, it's not yeah, this yeah. like one and done. I think you're always wrestling in that space because yeah. you always have a new assignment. And so you're always revisiting your gift and claiming that and going through that five-step process every time you go to a new assignment because things change a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, And I mean, you you transitioned uh, Patrick Troy to a new church and platform. Yeah. It's a new assignment. Yeah. And you're not going to lead exactly the same as you did during your previous assignment. So you revisit it. And so I think for many people... What we're experiencing right now is a chance to really call a timeout. That would be a yeah. technical, but call a timeout. Call it. <laughs> don't call it. Don't about? call it technical on yourself. But <laughs> call a timeout and just say, "Okay, I'm in a new assignment, yeah. and I'm going to take everything I learned from the last assignment, but I'm in a new assignment, right. and I want to go through that five-step process now that I'm in a new assignment." and really ask God to lead me in my purpose in this current assignment. Yeah. You know, this past, last week actually, you know, I was I was moving through one of those days where I just felt really disconnected and I got out a pen and paper and the night before I had listened to, if you, any of you guys know Simon Sinek, he's a fantastic yeah. leadership coach, but you know, he's ta- he talks about the golden circle and you start with your why and you move out from there. And I was kind of revisiting my why because a couple of years ago, I had gone through this coaching experience where I mapped out my why. This is why I exist. This is who I am. And it, I, I crafted a statement that moved from who I was to how I engage with people to how I want other people to experience me you know, when I'm with them. And, um, and so we, I went through that. And, and last week, I went and pulled that back up because I was feeling disconnected. And I just said, okay. How do I do this why when all of my mechanisms and structures are different? Mm. That just means I'm going to have to map out how I do my why to live out my values yep. uh, through different mediums. And the mediums were not what gave me satisfaction. The, the why in itself gave me satisfaction. So I was, I was able to kind of shift and make this pivot of, of saying, okay, I haven't lost my purpose. I may have lost the channels that I lived out my purpose from. I may have lost those channels temporarily, maybe forever, but I can still find an avenue to live out my purpose. And I think that's such a good reminder for anybody who's listening that you're not alone in the struggle of purpose. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, it again, I think like um, Jacob wrestling we are always going to have to be wrestling in that space of here are my gifts. Here is my new assignment. How does God want me to live this out? So I don't, I don't think you ever get to a place where it's just smooth sailing. And I think part of that is if it was always smooth sailing, it would become a comfort zone and we don't ever grow in a comfort zone. So I think part of the new assignment 
and going through that wrestling process like you, Pastor Troy, pulled out that piece of paper is that that struggle is what grows us and continues us honing the gifts that we have, that God has given us and using those more effectively. So yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a great case study from your life. Thanks, man. Um, so, you know, one of the things that Dr. Henry Cloud, do you know who he is? I do, yeah. Okay, so he's fantastic on the world of psychology and whatnot. And boundaries, he wrote all the books on boundaries. But he, he was saying that during these times of big transition, the first thing that gets disrupted is connection, and then structure follows. And so he says, in order to, you know, health in a healthy way, move through these changes, we have to find new ways to build connections and new ways to create structure. So, you know, one of the last couple questions I have for you is what, what new habits do you have that you're going to integrate in your life moving forward um, out of this season? That's a great question. When, when it comes to, I think those connections and, and those are so important and often I think we took connections for granted, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, Definitely. like you're doing your, your daily and weekly routines yeah. and you run into people and you connect and you're doing your thing. I, I think we took those for granted. I don't think we valued the gift of connection as much as we do right now. It's like, you don't appreciate it until you don't have it. And then when you don't have it, you're mourning the fact that you don't have it. And I think a couple things I, I would mention is I think there are organic connections and there are strategic connections, both. I think we always have to be um, open to the leading of the Holy Spirit with organic connections. I've gotten to know a couple of young adults down the street at a local coffee shop really well in the last month because I've you know, got, a, I got a, a warm drink in the morning and connected and they've been asking about, hey, are here, I hear you have a podcast and what's that about? And so that's been really fun. So I think there are organic connections that are just gonna happen. And I would just comment, don't overlook the organic connections because often the Holy Spirit sets something up and it's an open door. And I know you and I have shared this um, response statement. You know, when something organic comes up, remember the phrase, tell me more. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> because, yeah, yeah. you know, it's like you've got this opportunity yeah. to connect with somebody and they've shared with you, oh, I had a horrible week. Tell me more about that. Yeah. I got this yeah. dream for yeah. life after COVID-19. Tell me about that. Yeah. I, just, I had a struggle in my, you know, with my internship, you know, for the summer. Tell me about that. So don't neglect mm. the organic uh, opportunities to connect. And I just think if you are being led by the Holy Spirit, recognize those. Like in the morning, Holy Spirit, help me to recognize those connections and lean into them, you know? Yeah. If somebody says, hey, Troy, man, I've been having a horrible week. God bless you. Happy Sabbath. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, wait a minute. They just gave you a part of their life yeah. that said I've been having a horrible week. So instead of, hey, happy Sabbath, yeah. peace, being able to say, tell me more. Like, why was that bad week? So there's organic, and those happen. The other side are the strategic connections. And what the last 50-some days has taught me is to be much more strategic about connecting with people. Let me give an example. Don't think that I follow this 
every day, okay? Sure. But I'll just give you an example. If you took a week and you wanted to plan out your week with the goal of strategic connections, this might be a model that you could use. Your goal every day is to text five people. So every day you text five people and it's really about, you know, diving into a texting conversation. Somebody may say, Hey, I'm great. You know, hope to see you soon. But you may have the chance with two out of those five yeah. to actually have a dialogue back and forth yeah. via text. Yeah. So it could look like I'm going to text five people a day. I'm also going to call a, at minimum one person a day, a different person. A different person. And the thing is, Everybody is expecting phone calls from people they haven't heard from in eons because of what's happening. Yeah. Like you can call that relative that you thought about calling two years ago and you can call them up and they're probably going to be receptive yeah. because right. it's what we're living in right now. So text five people a day, do a single phone call to somebody different um, every day and then maybe every week you have one uh, learning growth phone call conversation with a mentor with somebody you can connect with but I think just think about what would be a strategic relational connecting rhythm yeah. that you could build for your week and you may not hit it every day right. and when you don't hit it you don't hit yourself over the head because you didn't hit it but you just kind of make a goal I'm gonna connect with five people by text yeah. one phone call a day yeah. one mentoring conversation a week but I think when you set that goal of that strategy, you tend to be more effective at reaching out and connecting to them because you're thinking about that. Right. So I would that would, that's something that I've learned is that I often I think could have been more strategic mm. in that space, and, yeah. and even today I was thinking about uh, this morning that I would love to call and connect with a young leader every day, just one, and just be able to say, "How are you doing?" What's, what's going on in your life yeah. and just listen um, and don't listen to respond but just listen to understand mm -hmm. you know you had to be there be present that's good man uh, Maxwell talks about that right John Maxwell yeah, yeah. Um, and I realized too just bouncing what you're saying um, if I don't write it down if it's just an idea it's just a lofty thing mm -hmm. I, w I wish I Call five people a day. I never call five people yeah. that day. So if I set the goal and I write it down and I hold myself accountable to it, eventually it doesn't become a burden. You know, maybe at first it's like, oh, I gotta connect with, gotta, I gotta open five text messages which are never-ending potential conversations. You know, I don't know about that. But then when you start to just do it, it becomes a habit and you enjoy it. And I and I think if you. Um, you're always in control of the texting conversations, yeah. you know, and, and if you can't respond right in the moment, you, you try to be respectful, yeah. you know, because there is an etiquette, I think, to texting, <laughs> like, oh, hey, thanks for that text 10 days ago. Yeah. And that person's like, I'm in a different place right now. Sure. Um, but I think even with, the, even with the phone calls, don't be intimidated by a phone call because you can easily set it up or front load the phone, the, the phone call when you connect saying, hey, I just had 10 minutes. But I just wanted to call and say hi yeah. and just connect real yeah. quick and and but I think you don't you can set those phone calls up in a way that's gonna work with your schedule with the yeah. demands of what you need to do yeah so you don't dread I'm gonna get on the phone for 
three hours. Right. Well, maybe you do want to do that, sure. you know, but I think just being able to, again, work the connections in a way that's going to work with you, but being strategic, I think ultimately will allow you to make more connections with more people. Yeah. And starting small. Yeah. I tend to jump into things with intensity yeah. and I'll be like, I'm going to call 15 people today. Yeah. Like, what did I just do? This yeah. is way too much. That's awesome. So one more question, Ben, just to end this all out. What gives you hope right now? Like, what are you hopeful about? A, a couple things. I am hopeful that the um, gospel is still alive and well. I am hopeful that the same God that was moving in my last assignment is moving in this assignment. Mm -hmm. um, I'm hopeful that God is unchangeable. And I am hopeful that the church, that living, breathing expression of Jesus, has adopted an approach that is so innovative and new and fresh. Mm -hmm. And so I think for me, I'm hopeful that the same gospel that transformed lives six months ago is going to transform lives right now. Mm -hmm. And so the message, the mission of the church, the gospel is consistent. Yeah. It's it's present and I think I'm so hopeful that people are open to doing things better yeah. and I think it's not about we're just gonna throw out everything we've ever done right. that's not the goal but I think the goal is to do ministry better and to do life better and so again being able to ask some of those questions is this working if it's not how do we adjust it yeah. but I'm excited that that pastor did his first web broadcast from his <laughs> coat closet praise i mean like praise yeah. god like this is a church yeah. that's been around for 80 years that has never gone online that gives me hope and it's not it's not a hope that i've, I've got hope because we have it all figured out but it's hope that we are willing to learn yeah. and we're willing to try some new things yeah. and we're willing to be led into new spaces that we have never been before right to reach people we have never reached before. Right. And so I think for me, that gives me a lot of hope. It gives me a lot of hope too. Yeah. <laughs> well, Ben, thanks for spending the time with me to, to work through this topic. We want to come out stronger and I think we got a lot to chew on. Jesus came into the world announcing that the kingdom of God had arrived in him. Culture wants to have the kingdom without the king, but Jesus is as relevant today as he was yesterday and will be tomorrow. Thank you for listening as we wrestle with how to live as disciples of Jesus in our modern culture and to share our relevant faith. God bless. God, we want to thank you so much for uh, your faithfulness to us uh, through the storms, through this pandemic. We thank you um, for, for guiding us, for giving us grace. Um, and as our life has been turned upside down, we thank you for um, just allowing the seed, the seed of the Spirit to just plant and root in us, to lead us in new directions, to, to change the way we do family, to change the way we do our faith, uh, live out our faith, and to change um, us from the inside out. So guide us through this pandemic and guide us beyond this pandemic into a new future 
uh, where we'll be, uh, we'll know you better and we'll minister to others even better. We thank you for loving us, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.